The following talk was given at Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Please visit our website at milehighchurch.org. I'd like to begin by telling a a story about uh, Abraham Lincoln. And at the height of the Civil War, he was asked to attend a meeting of senators. And the senators all had a long list of items that they wanted Lincoln to focus on and help them um, to perform, improve their districts. And Lincoln listened patiently to them, uh, and quite a bit of time went by. And when they were done, he said, Gentlemen, I am not going to do a single thing you have asked. And he followed up with an anecdote, because Lincoln liked to share anecdotes. And it's about a family who moves so much that they have less and less. And they move so often that when the chickens see the sheep go up on the one wagon they have left, they immediately lay down and cross their legs to be tied. (laughs) And so Lincoln looks at the gentleman and he says, "Uh, if I were to do what you would ask, I might as well lay down now and let you tie my hands. And all that being said, it's good to see you. And there's... There's three things I love about the story. First is, is the kindness of Lincoln, kind of refreshing, right? Yeah. <laughs> the second thing is Lincoln's uh, approach to what we are calling today the, the way of non-action, knowing when not to do so that you can focus on what's most important in your life. And third, I don't know about you, but I can sure be like those chickens sometimes. <laughs> You know, the, the, the goal of spiritual living is to be able to know that God is at the center of your life. That spirit is at the center of your life. That love is at the center of your life. But for many of us, it's not that that's at the center of our lives. It's this to-do list. We live within this myth of the to-do list where we tell ourselves, if I just check off every box then I'll be whole, then I'll be happy, then I'll be free. But the trick is, is that the list never seems to end, right? We feel so pulled in so many different directions that we tend to get lost. Uh, I was on vacation this week, and always one of the things that I notice is it always takes me a couple days to move from that place of doing all the time to actually relaxing. I have to train myself to relax. Anyone else here kind of have that experience? And something that was a little unique this time is, is a few days into the vacation, I, I started feeling anxious. Um, I was getting these little fits of anxiety, and I didn't know quite what to do. So I said, well, I guess I'll just write down um, some things that I might be anxious about that I have to do. And you, you know that I wrote down 50 to-dos in five minutes. <laughs> 50 things to do, 50 things I want to do. 50 things that I love to do, but 50 things to do. And it was a reminder for me that I wasn't doing the best job of creating space for my being. I was having something else at the center of my life other than this nourishment that comes from knowing your genuine connection with the divine. I love something the the great mystic of the last century, Howard Thurman, said. He says, there is something in every one of you that sits and listens for the sound of the genuine in yourself. 
It is the only true guide you will ever have. And if you cannot hear it, you will all your life spend your days on the ends of strings someone else pulls. Are you living your life or is someone else living it for you? I want to be able to to say, if you want, you can say this with me silently or you can shout it if you want. God, you are the center of my being. God, you are the center of my being. Peace, you are the center of my being. Creative spirit, you are the center of my being. Not my grocery list, not the pending phone bill, not the traffic on the freeway, but that divine spirit that co-creates with me the divine. And this is the the new way of being I want to talk about today. And we might as well call it for many of us a different way of being. But it's the recognition that if that creative spirit isn't at the center of your life, something or someone else is. And it's distracting you from being your best self. Doing is important. I get it. But there's no more positive action that you can take in your life than centering yourself in your being, which I believe contains all of the virtues, all of the values, all of the wisdom, all of the life energy that you need to have all the byproducts that you want to take place in your life happen. There's nothing to it. As long as you can know that you are one with this deeper being. And so I want to talk about this new way of being today by talking to you about a particular spiritual technique that I'm calling today the way of of non-action. To put a little less emphasis on the to-do list and all the stuff that you got to do and focus a little bit more on being intentionally and profoundly who you are, one with the flow and the ground of your being. Out of a very wise teacher in my life, teach me this lesson. He goes by the name of Eeyore. <laughs> it's funny because I was writing this talk and I was in a I was at a, a bar having a, a drink in New York, and I was watching this guy flirt with a, with a girl. And uh, I'm married, so I don't get to flirt with girls anymore. So I realize it's much more fun to watch other people make fools of themselves as well. But he introduced himself as something like, hi, my name's Brandon. And she went, Eeyore? Did you say Eeyore? Nice to meet you, Eeyore. So poor guy. Uh, I don't think things have worked out from there. But the great Eeyore said something really grand and, and profound profound. It's in a little figurine that's on the altar in my desk in my office. He says, you want to say it with me? Never underestimate the value of doing nothing. You know, when I first read that, I went, oh, lazy Eeyore. But I kept looking at that figurine statue on my desk. You know, sometimes I would come in from a you know, a challenging day at the office or Sunday service or whatever it is and, and something, maybe someone said something that irked me the wrong way or something didn't go right in the service and my first instinct is to just, go at it, got to fix it, got to talk to this person or got to share whatever that frustration is and Eeyore, Eeyore helped me to 
put a, a 24-hour rule in my life, which simply says, as long as it's not threatening anyone's safety, just wait 24 hours. Never underestimate the value of doing nothing. And if 24 hours later I still feel the same way, I'll call that person. But if not, I say a prayer and I let it go. Boy, has that saved me a lot of wasted time in my life. I I looked at that figurine before going into a a counseling session. And sometimes someone sits down and they want uh, counseling and they, they ask you a question. And I love feeling really wise. You know, I love thinking that I have the right answer. But I, I thought to myself, wait, don't underestimate the value of doing nothing. And so I just said, well, just tell me more. And all of a sudden, the person answers the question themselves. Doesn't work better that way? Or someone would share with me a a problem, and I love to fix problems. That's my dysfunctional roles. I want to get in there and fix everything for you. And I wanted to give the right advice and right answer, but wait a second. Never underestimate the value of doing nothing. And all of a sudden, just listening, the person would come up with the solution themselves. Not through me doing anything, but being there with that confidence and that care for that person. See, sometimes we do not to move forward, but because we're afraid or we underestimate the power of our own being to do things for us. Eeyore's taught me this too. You know, one of the great honors of being a a minister is getting to be with someone when they're passing away, making their transition, or getting to be there with someone who's gone through a great tragedy of loss, and just as human beings, I think we stop and we get a little afraid because there's, what can I do for this person? There's nothing that I can do. It reminds me of what George Carlin used to joke. He says, the next time you're grieving and someone says, if you, if you need anything, anything at all, just let me know. And Carlin says, well, why don't you come over and paint the garage? That'll be a great start. <laughs> but what I've, what I've learned is that when, when people are going through grief, or a challenging time, they don't need you to do anything for them. They just want to know that you're there. Being there makes all the difference, and it takes a certain amount of courage to actually be in that place of non-action, to allow our presence to be with someone who's going through a great joy or a great sorrow. Now, Eeyore didn't come up with the theory of non-action Um, It's actually a very ancient spiritual idea that was most popularized in in China, in particular through this um, idea of what's called uh, Taoism. And there's a famous book, The Tao Te Ching, uh, by Lao Tzu. And scholars actually don't believe Lao Tzu actually existed, so it's just this collection of great Chinese wisdom. And they call it the Tao. We could call it spirit or God. But the teacher says, the Tao never does anything, yet through it, all things are done. How does that feel when we put the word spirit in there? Spirit never does anything, yet through it, all things are done. I like that idea, and I found it in my life when I connect with spirit, when I connect with the ground of my being, everything that needs to happen happens as a byproduct of that consciousness I was able to produce about that connection. I really don't have to do anything but show up and know my oneness with that source. 
for the ancient Chinese, they use the word Tao too because they see the sacred in nature and how it operates. And a Taoist might tell you that the greatest source and power that there may be in nature is water. Not just in, in the power of its flow, but in its calmness and its patience. Slowly over centuries, it can build mountains, transform stone and make its way through. It doesn't rush. And so Lausa says, the supreme good is like water, which nourishes all things without trying to. It is content with the low places that people disdain. Thus, it is like the Tao. So the Taoist will tell you to be like water in your life. In dwelling, live close to the ground. In thinking, keep to the simple. In conflict, be fair and generous. In governing, don't try to control. In work, do what you enjoy. In family life, be completely present. Can it really be that freaking simple? Yeah. (laughs) Be nice to people. When you are content to be simply yourself and don't compare or compete, everybody will respect you. So honor the actions that you need to take in your life. Honor what it is that you have to do, but do not discount the power of your beingness, of honoring what's at the center of your life, your spirit, your soul, and its ability to be a creative force for you without having to control or meddle, or fix, but we can trust. You know, if I had a a message for our graduates today, it's don't go rushing in to your life with so many action plans, as good as they are, while underestimating the power of being your whole self. That for as many great things as you may accomplish in your life, nothing will be greater than your ability to embody your virtues and your values and show up. Enjoy your life. Have fun. Play. And realize that that, more so than anything else, will create your good. Those connections. Those relationships. Does that make sense? Does that sound like baloney? to have fun in your life, that that can create good for you. This is a great message for parents, too, because it's so hard uh, when your children are growing up. One of the hardest things to do for a parent is to move from that place of doing things for your child to just being there for them. Isn't that challenging? You know, I once had a, a mother come and see me for counseling. She said, I really need to talk to you about a problem that I have. Uh, my son is having a lot of challenges in his relationship. What should I do? <laughs> and on that note, uh, my, my daughter is really struggling at her job, and she doesn't know if she should quit and get a new one. What should I do? And I didn't quite know what to say, so I just said, Lo- love them? <laughs> you know, listen to them? But, but it's hard. And, and I empathize with that. At some point as parents, you, know, you, have to, you have to pause and you have to say, I've done the best I can. I have instilled all the tools that I know how to in my child and perhaps the best thing that I can do for them, as much as I may continue to help them along the way, is to know how capable they are, is to know how powerful they are, is to know their ability to move through life not needing me, but knowing that I'm there, feeling my presence with them as they make those choices 
and experience the positive, negative consequences that come out of those. So we ended our session, and I didn't know quite what she made of me, but she did send me a letter a few weeks later, and it said this. Wow, taking seriously my intentions of letting go more and not trying to be all all up in the lives of my kids, I reap some small but profound benefits. Two weeks ago, I worked at not calling my daughter to live my life and not be worried about hers. Intentional adult work. What a payoff. I felt so much healthier knowing that God and she were sorting out her stuff and I had really no business stressing out myself and her. I gave it to God, but also worked hard. She called me the other day. She simply told me about a rough day she had at work. I listened, grateful that I listened. Then the shocker of all shockers came when she started quietly and with slow little statements telling me that I was the best mom she could ever have, that I did all the right things for her, and that she was grateful. My gosh, how we try to get that from them, but in all the wrong ways. Time to grow up, Mom. I will be there when they need me, not when I think I should. I am so blessed to even have these thoughts now. Stay the course. Thank you, God. And perhaps this can work for us in so many areas in our life. To ask ourselves again that question, what what is at the center of my life? What is at the center of this situation over here? What is at the center of this problem over here? And if it's not spirit, if it's not that creative good, if it's not that beingness, something's off. Get fear the heck out of there and, and, and put God in its place. Get control the heck out of there and put peace in its place. It takes practice, but it really takes beingness, embodiment, love. Now, I do want to point out that there's a big difference between non-action and inaction. A big difference between non-action and inaction. Non-action is a conscious choice that we make. It's an intentional decision to focus on being who we are versus needing to do a bunch of stuff. Inaction is not choosing. It's procrastinating. It's a kind of stagnation. You know, one of the things that I wish I knew 20 years ago when I was finishing high school is that the choices in life aren't really about yes and no. There's a third choice, and it's not choosing. Because not choosing is a choice too, right? I can say yes to something. I can say no to something. But so often, what we find in our lives is we don't choose. We procrastinate. So something or someone else chooses for us, and we're stuck with the consequences, right? We get stuck in that. And to be honest with you, the greatest mistakes and errors of my life, and I've made several, but the majority of them aren't because of actions, but because of inaction. Not choosing and saying yes to a creative idea. Not choosing to have an honest, courageous conversation with someone that I'm having a conflict with. Not choosing to speak up for myself not choosing to ask for help, not choosing to love because of fear of rejection, not choosing to pursue a connection with someone because of fear or anxiety, not choosing to, sh- to share my truth with people. So many of those mark my life in a way that I'm disappointed about, but guess what? 
We all have that opportunity in this moment to choose anew, to make that conscious choice in our being to invest in it so it can show up in our lives. So just to draw some distinctions, inaction is a way of procrastination. Non-action is a way of intentionality. Sometimes I don't know what decision to make in my life. Maybe it's around work. Maybe it's a struggle in a relationship. But I know if I can choose to embody my virtue, if I can go and have a conversation not wondering should I quit my job or stay with a job, but just say with honesty, hey, something's not working out here. Can we have a conversation about this? You know, before um, you leave your boyfriend, you know, maybe have... Um, uh, an authentic sharing instead of creating a, a, a drama to get away from it or your girlfriend or whatever. Inaction is about holding back and stopping. Non-action is about moving forward and going with the flow. As I was saying at the beginning of the message, Abraham Lincoln was a master of non-action, facing the biggest crisis that we've ever faced in this country, helping to transform our nation, his non-action was as valuable as the actions that he took. This was true even in his achieving the presidency. I I love a quote from him about non-action. He says, a man watches his pear tree day after day, impatient for the ripening of the fruit. Let him attempt to force the process and he may spoil both fruit and tree but let him patiently wait and the ripe pear at length falls into his lap. Can you believe that about the thing that you're wanting to achieve? The healing that you're wanting to experience? The self that you want to become? That it's not going to take control and force and willfulness, but that ability to stay present, focused, ready for the pear, ready for the fruit to bear in your life, and that all that God asks you to is to be the self that can accept that gift, to live the life that can contain your heart's desire, to be ready, not do ready, but be ready to embrace that in your life. Inaction is all about fear. Non-action is all about trust. I wanted to get something for our graduates today, and so um, some help from the office helped put together a, a little story by Richard Bach that some of you may have heard before called, called Letting Go from his book, Illusions. I'd like to share it with you today. Once there lived a village of creatures along the bottom of a great crystal river. The current of the river swept silently over them all, young and old, rich and poor, good and evil. The current going its own way, knowing only its own crystal self. Each creature in its own manner clung tightly to the twigs and rocks of the river bottom. For clinging was their way of life, and resisting the current was what each had learned from birth. But one creature said at last, I'm tired of clinging. Though I cannot see it with my eyes, I trust that the current knows where it is going. I shall let go and let it take me where it will. Clinging, I shall die of boredom. The other creatures laughed and said, Fool! Let go, and that current you worship will throw you tumbled and smashed against the rocks, and you will die quicker than boredom. But the one heeded them not, and taking a breath did let go, and at once was tumbled and smashed by the current across the rocks. Yet in time, as the creature refused to cling again, the current lifted him free from the bottom, and he was bruised and hurt no more. 
And the creatures downstream to whom he was a stranger cried, See a miracle, a creature like ourselves, yet he flies. See the Messiah, come to save us all. And the one carried him in the current said, I am no more Messiah than you. The river delights to lift us free. If only we dare let go. Our true work is this voyage, this adventure. But they cried the more, Savior, all the while clinging to the rocks. And when they looked again, he was gone. And they were left alone, making legends of a Savior. So who in the story are you? Are you the one that's clinging to the twigs and the side, afraid of the flow of your life, afraid of the nature, trying to keep things stagnating and the same? Or are you the one that's willing to let go, to have that greater trust that even though you don't know where the flow is taking you, you can trust that it's getting you there, that there's that divine presence available to each one of us. The way to go about this way of life, this new way of being, This way of non-action is to center ourselves not in fear, not in stagnation, not in procrastination, but in trust. It's perhaps one of the most simple and one of the most difficult virtues that there are to practice. It begins with trust in the sacred. It's not enough to just say that you believe in God. It's not enough to just say that you believe in the sacred. Do you believe you have a relationship with this sacred presence? Do you believe you have a relationship with God that knows who you are, that can perform miracles in your life? So it starts with trust in the sacred. Don't have to know what it looks like, what its name is, or where it came from, just that it's there. The second is trust in nature. I know nature can seem ferocious at times. We've got volcanoes going off in Kauai and Floods and all of that kind of stuff. But nothing has patience like nature. Nothing is willing to let go and transform like nature. Nothing on this earth is older or wiser than nature. And we are an expression of that nature. Trust in the sacred. Trust in nature. And lastly, perhaps the hardest of all, trust in yourself. Trust in yourself. I am a creation of the divine. God made everything in me for me. Our founder, Ernest Holmes, was fond of saying, know that the universe is for you and not against you. And what does the universe include? Everything, including ourselves. So can you trust yourself? Doesn't mean don't have discernment. I've got crazy stuff going on in my thoughts all the time. I have anxieties that come up all the time. But can I say, every part of me is for me and not against me. Can I find that place where I feel safe in my own skin? Where I feel that I'm living in heaven today because there's no part of me that could ever not be one with its source. With this truth, with this love. Trust in the sacred. Trust in nature. Trust in yourself And everything else falls into line. Everything else takes care of itself. To close, as we move into a prayer, some words from Ernest Holmes, who says, If a man knows that life never began and will never end, 
he will be immediately fortified and inspired to begin the work of bringing out perfection in his daily life. When a man understands that God is incarnated in him, that he is a new creation, an individual impartation of that which is divine, he feels a new birth. When he grasps the fact that the divine thing in him which longs to be will always be, then will his intellect see it and his emotion respond to it and life can no longer frighten him. 